Hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in to the Dear Balladeer podcast with me, your host, Sadie Gustafson Zook. On today's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Corey Laitman, also known as the band Cloud Belly. Well, the front person for the band Cloud Belly. And me and Corey go way back um, to my Boston days. And Corey is a Western Massachusetts artist. And we have such a fun conversation. um, And I'm really excited for you to hear it. We talk about trying new things, overcoming fear, following your excitement, having open communication, sex and non-monogamy, and a lot of fun things like that. So please enjoy this next episode with Corey Laitman. Okay, Corey Laitman of Cloud Belly. Thank you for being <laughs> on the podcast. Yay, I'm so excited <laughs> to be on the podcast. Ah. <laughs> uh, Amazing. Yeah. It's been a it's been a little while since I saw your your cute face. I know. I know. It's lovely to to see your little cheeks. I want to squeeze them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, for those of you who don't know Corey and <laughs> um Corey lives in western Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Where? In um in Great Falls. Which on right. the maps are, is Turner's Falls. Uh-huh, but it's renamed. Well, it's not. It's not technically renamed, but there's a movement to rename it because Turner's, like, William, I think his name was William Turner's, was, like, he, like, slaughtered indigenous populations. He was terrible, so. Yeah, not worth naming a town after. No, no. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Cool. So Great, Great Falls, Falls for our purposes. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you have, you used to do music under your name, mm-hmm. Corey Laitman, and now you have a project cloud belly. Mm-hmm. Can you just give a short little intro about cloud? I guess I haven't really talked to you that much since you made the switch. Right. Yeah, I guess that's true. So over the pandemic, I was collaborating with my friend Anand and it's, he'd been my side man prior to the pandemic. Um, but this project we were doing felt very, uh, equal in terms of input. Like I was still writing the songs, but he was doing so much production. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just felt right to call it a band instead of to do the, to like present the project under my name. Mm -hmm. So we chose cloud belly. Um, he had a parrot, who his kid named his kid was like six at the time and the <laughs> and the parrot's middle name was cloud belly because oh it was like gosh. cloud parrot <laughs> pattern on its stomach and we were like that <laughs> yeah and since then the wow. you know the personnel has cha- in the band has changed i'm playing with a new group of people but um but yeah i really like playing under like a moniker a band name as opposed yeah. to my name it's i mean I, i'm fine with both but it's like a fun a fun new experiment. Yeah, I feel yeah. like this is something that I keep talking to people on the podcast about because mm-hmm. I'm like, so guys, what's it like to not have to like represent all of your your personal identity in your like <laughs> musical project? <laughs> totally. It's a it's a thing. Yeah. I mean, I um 
Yeah, it just it just feels a little more like flexible and uh I mean it's still hard. Like I I feel like social media presence is always going to be like a difficult thing for for me anyway. I think I feel like for other people it's you know, I'm sure people have a, a wide variety of experiences <laughs> <laughs> being on social media, but yeah. I don't know. I'm sure there's a difference. I don't know if I can speak to it right now. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I do think like a lot of people, even people who are good at social media, mm-hmm. don't like it. <laughs> like yeah. the job of like coming up with stuff to post is like annoying, even if you like doing that because it's tedious and it just makes you not live in reality (laughs) and like it's confusing (laughs) yeah it is really confusing I have a friend or I don't know if I know this person (laughs) her name is Shira Ehrlichman and she runs a school for poetry called In Surreal Life and she is she's also a musician and I love the way she does social media I feel like she uses it like a scrapbook um Mm -hmm. The, the way she does it is just very, it always feels joyful and like an offering that I'm so happy to receive. And goal. so I, that's goal. it's hash, <laughs> it's goal, hashtag goal. Yes. And I try to like conjure that spirit when I'm approaching a social media moment for myself. And it's like so fucking elusive. <laughs> <laughs> So, I don't know. The journey continues. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kudos, I guess. (laughs) Kudos to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try to remember that, like, for the people who do want to connect with me and the band and my music, I think that, well, the feedback I've gotten is that, like, oh, it's so nice when I see that you've posted something because it's uh, an opportunity to connect with you. Uh Like, I always feel good about it. I'm like, oh, hi, it's, it's Corey, you know? Right. This is a nice experience for me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it feels really different on the like posting and posters end than on the receiving end where Mm -hmm. most of the time I'm happy to see people's stuff though. Just like show announcements after show announcements. And like, those are the annoying ones to post for me. And they're the annoying ones to see where I'm just like, you guys are so busy. I'm so (laughs) Like, not even jealous necessarily, but just like, wow, what could have been? (laughs) (laughs) Grief. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's dark. It gets dark. (laughs) Hello, listeners. This is Sadie. I'm just piping in to remind you that I have a Patreon page for my personal music and this podcast. If you would like to become a member of the podcast community, you can support for as little as $5 a month, and that will give you access to the exclusive songwriter sessions, extended version of this podcast, as well as exclusive content and music, and sometimes demos from me, Sadie Gustafson Zook, in my personal musical catalog. So if you are interested in doing that, hop on over to patreon.com slash sadiebgz and that also includes the podcast the other note i would have is that if you need any help with your problems 
please submit your life quandaries to our podcast. So head on over to our Instagram page, which is dear underscore balladeer. And in the bio, you can submit your questions and we will consider it. Okay. Thank you. Can I ask you some general questions that I ask everybody on the podcast? Please go ahead. Yeah. Okay, cool. Can we start with um, you telling me what identities are important to you? Mm, of my, my identities? Yes. yes. Um, it's very important to me to know and be conscious of the fact that I'm white. Um, uh, my Jewish identity is important to me. Um, my gender queer identity is important to me. Um, and there's a, I don't know what language I want to use around this right now, but there's something about like my sort of neurodivergent creative kind of like coming from a lineage of like mentally ill classified people mm-hmm. that I come from that it, it just helps me like orient to other people relationally in the world. So that's important to me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and um, you know, that I come from some measure of wealth is also an important thing for me to hold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then another question. Mm-hmm. What did you want to be when you grew up? If you dreamt of capitalism as a child. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my grandpa was, uh, he, he, well, yeah, he's retired now at like 101. Oh my God. I know it's fucked up. Um, <laughs> but he was a psychoanalyst in like the Freudian tradition. And he had all these books in his basement about like the id and the ego and the superego and, uh, my like nerdy little self would like kind of pour over like Carl Jung and Freud and like pretend that I knew what the fuck was going on. (laughs) But I think I really wanted to be, I think my capitalism, my like capitalist self wanted to be a therapist also because I was like encouraged in that direction. Mm -hmm. But also I like just had such a penchant for drama and was writing songs from the time I was a kid. And I think like my little dreamer self always wanted to be a musician Mm -hmm. so but I like felt less indulged in that arena by like the adults in my life so I just didn't pursue it as I kind of pursued it as like a hobby for a long time or like treated it as like peripheral for most of my life and then I almost became a therapist but then I like had a panic attack and like didn't it was like a whole nervous breakdown thing because I actually really don't want to be a therapist at all not set up for it so yeah so here I am you know here I am none of that surprises me like (laughs) the fact that you were like a child reading like psychoanalyze like books talking about like the id and ego I'm like yeah this comes through (laughs) cute (laughs) thanks Yeah, no, no I mean... It, just, it does track. It totally tracks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, like, I think of you as a pretty creative person in a, like, kind of holistic 
like way, but are there any specific creative expression forms of expression from your youth that you still like think about today? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I really like dancing and just like movement. Uh, and I did a lot of that when I was a kid. Um, I think I like secretly used, I played a lot of soccer, but like the thing that I was really interested in was not like teamwork or like athleticism as much as it was like juggling the ball and like doing fancy foot moves. And so I feel like I kind of used soccer as like a creative movement outlet. (laughs) Uh, That might be like the first time I thought about that actually. Um, Cute. Yeah. And then I wrote a lot of poetry and I still like when I'm feeling like in that space, right? Poet, poetry adjacent things. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I mean, even the fact that you're just now talking about soccer being a form of dance, that is poetry, I feel like. Aw, <laughs> aw. <laughs> oh, that's a sweet interpretation. <laughs> um, and you mm. mentioned that you started writing songs when you were like a little kid. Mm-hmm. Do you remember like a first significance like memory do you have any like uh, do you have any first memories as opposed (laughs) to just like general memories of writing songs yeah I mean I don't know that it's a great story but I like have a I have like an an image of a journal that I had when I was a kid and I can see my like big round handwriting. I thought my older cousin had really cool handwriting. So I tried to like imitate it <laughs> in journals and I can still see it like in the way that I write. Like she made the A with a little like swoop at the top, the lowercase yep. A with the swoop at the top. Yep. Um, and so I can see my like janky little kid handwriting um, having written like lyrics. And I don't remember how the song went, but I have like a, I have that image in my mind of like, Oh, I kept a journal and I like wrote lyrics in the journal. Mm-hmm. So. Do you yeah. still write lyrics out by hand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I really like, I like longhand writing. Yeah. But sometimes I like it. Sometimes it's just stubbornness. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, but I, yeah, I do write lyrics in a journal. Yeah. I like, I like looking at my handwriting and I like journaling. Mm-hmm. But I almost never write out, like, by hand. But I think mm-hmm. that that's just, like, the practicality of me is getting, like, I'm like, eh. <laughs> I would rather be able to, like, move things around and, like, uh, yeah. not have to rewrite stuff. And I also like things looking, like, organized. Yes. And so if I'm writing it out and I'm, like, working on it as I go, then there's, like, a lot of, like, chicken scratch editing that like I'm just not into the aesthetic of it I would rather have it just be like okay I can just keep changing things until it's like how I like it totally I don't have to like yeah yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) amazing Uh, yeah 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 that appeals to me too but I are you a Libra no I'm a Pisces Okay. Yeah. So my whole system is like less a system and more just like chicken scratchy chaos. Yeah. Yeah. But I appreciate like 
people who operate in the way that you operate. It's like very comforting to me to be around someone whose like system is very elegant. Like, oh yes, this is so little, there's no white noise here. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Ah, cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, one more question before we dive into your song. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some things or something that makes you lose track of time? Ooh, oh, what a good question. Um, I mean, practicing music definitely uh, makes me lose track of time. Um, writing, writing in my journal, writing songs, de- like definitely when when it's hitting, Yeah, I lose track of time. Um, talking to friends on the phone makes me lose track of time. Um... Like going out to drinks with people makes me lose track of time. <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> Taking mushrooms and kayaking. <laughs> or just kayaking sounds mushrooms. Yeah. Hiking. Yeah. Um, sex makes me lose track of time. Um, yeah. Got a, a lot of good outlets for losing track of time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you also, I feel like, strike me as someone who is, like, excellent at losing track of time in a good way. Like, oh, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> yes. but no, yes. that you're very, like, present when you're somewhere and, like. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to, I set alarms for myself now just because I've, like, I have a long history of pissing people off or being late <laughs> and forgetting stuff. So <laughs> I'm trying. But, yeah, that's true. Thanks. Yeah, well, alarms mm-hmm. are good, too. <laughs> yeah they really are yeah um okay cool so shall we move on to the the song and question portion of the pod let's do it okay so we're gonna listen to your song is this a released song is this out there um it is on Bandcamp, but it's nowhere else okay and is mm-hmm. it released under cory Lateman? it's under cloud belly mm-hmm. okay Will it ever be on streaming services or is this like a anti-streaming statement? No, no, no. It's not a statement at all. It's like part of a long clusterfuck of a story. Um, but yeah, no, uh, eventually it will be on streaming services. Yes. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So anyway, if anyone likes this song, they can find it on Bandcamp. But we're going to listen now and mm-hmm. the song is called Marrow. For the bright blue cheering 
Dear Balladeer, I really enjoy the feeling of being monogamous with my partner, but sometimes wonder what other sexual experiences are out there. I'm not by any means held to monogamy by my partner, but I feel afraid to experience something new. Is there a way through this fear? Is it just FOMO, fear of missing out, and I need to get over it and just bask in the wonderfulness of my relationship? Sincerely, the letter writer. Mm. Okay, so Corey, I would be curious. I know when I was asking about this song, I was like, like, I'm not assuming that this song really has anything specifically to do with this exact predicament, but I did ask about songs that had to do with like working through fear or like things like that. And so I would just be curious to hear you say a little bit about what was going through your mind when you were writing this song. And then we can kind of venture into how that might apply to the letter writer. Sure. Um, so when I was writing this song, uh, I had very recently come out publicly as non-binary and changed my name. And I was in a queer non-monogamous relationship. And I was just like at a lot of frontiers, like personal frontiers. And, um, like right leading up to all of those frontiers, there was a lot of anticipation and a lot of excitement and like a lot of like rupture and discovery and fear, um, but mostly excitement. And then I came out maybe expecting that I would feel resolved after I came out, but what ended up happening was that like, I felt so adrift and lost and afraid and I I didn't feel regret or remorse like I knew I'd done the right thing for myself but I'd never felt it was this feeling of exposure that I hadn't anticipated feeling um so it's a very raw time and I was I think I wrote this song kind of exploring that feeling as like an attempt to go deeper into the feeling and um, I was reading a lot at that time about um, I was re- reading a lot of like visionary essayist people like Audre Lorde and Adrian Marie Brown and um, really mostly those two also this woman <laughs> named Toko Pa Turner who writes about dreaming and belonging and um I was just like thinking a lot about identity and how much of identity is like kind of like look like looking inside and like and seeing what's there. But also there's this like active imagination that um, that bears on the development of identity. And um, it's also relational and like I wouldn't have come out if I hadn't met other people who were trans non-binary because I didn't even know it was a fucking thing you know Mm -hmm. like it really took it took meeting other people who had encountered this like um the the existence of this this uh, like this like kind of existential opportunity or something or like this reality you know um to like put me in touch with it so 
Yeah, I was I uh I think I was just like thinking about the nature of risk and how like how it's okay to not know what's coming and to just move towards something that you feel compelled to move toward. Like mm. um and that it's okay to feel any kind of way like in your pursuit of that mm-hmm. horizon or like dream. You know, because I was feeling super unsettled, and I was like, "Is this a is this a um, a sign that I've made the wrong choice?" And I feel like that song was like, "No, you just <laughs> are. <laughs> this is just part of it." Mm-hmm. You know. So yeah, I think that is how I was oriented when I was writing that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I can also talk more specifically about like the verses or whatever, but. Yeah, I mean, I think the lyrics in this are so beautiful and also so, like, open to interpretation because oh yeah, they're so natural. Mm. And I feel like, <laughs> yeah, you can, you're giving the listener a lot of space to, like, come to the music with it, whatever they're trying yeah. to get, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really liked the line about, like, the sparrows in your head mm-hmm. that, that, that yeah. was really really beautiful <laughs> thank you <laughs> I like that line too um mm-hmm. yeah and the walking blind into the changes I was like oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah right because you can't know like right like even if you really want to do something and it like like if you haven't done it yet, it's just a fantasy of the thing. Like you haven't experienced it in your body. It's just like, it's just a dream. So like, even if you have a really clear idea of what you want, you're still walking blind into it because you don't know what it'll be like when you get there. You can't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's cray. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, as we think about the question from the letter writer, I feel like this is all very, I mean, it's funny to like try to, you know, give them any kind of direction because we're like, we don't know. Like, I don't know. <laughs> do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I do think that there is like comfort in the message of like, you kind of won't know until you try something. Unless you, like, you might know, like, this is definitely not for me. You know, like, I feel like people could have some amount of clarity about that before, but. Oh, sure. Yeah. But if you're, like, open to something. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything to say to this letter writer? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, like, it's so, it's so tricky. It's so tricky, you know, um. I think it's cool that the letter writer's partner isn't holding them to monogamy. Like, but I, the what I take from that is that the letter writer's partner is cool with them kind of venturing out and exploring other sexual experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, which is both, like, if I were the letter writer, I think what I would feel is, like, so much freedom in that and so much possibility and also kind of like 
terror. Like, okay, just like give me but what like because if if the letter writer's partner was like, nope, firm boundary, we're monogamous, then like the fantasy is like relegated to the realm of fantasy, and that's the only place it can exist without like, you know, secrecy and yeah. shitty stuff. Um, but like the possibility is like it's freaky. Mm-hmm. It's freaky. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, um, right now, so right now I'm in a monogamous relationship and it feels so good and it's like so sexy and like the building of trust is like just like feeling really delicious to me right now. <laughs> but for a long time, I was only in non monogamous relationships because I had like, or that kind of restlessness that this person is describing or my version of that. Mm-hmm. And I had to, I feel like I wouldn't feel, I personally would not feel as settled and not restless in my monogamous relationship right now if I hadn't kind of like waded into those waters, mm. you know? Yeah, like that you don't yeah. have like questions about what you're missing out on. You're like, I do you kind of know. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of get it. Yeah. (laughs) Or I get it as much as like, I need to get it, you know, like, I've never been curious about like, bondage and being tied up with ropes. Like, I don't want like, I think that shit is really cool. And like, people who want to go there, like, fucking power to them. I like, I can imagine that being a really beautiful experience for people, but it's not something I feel called to. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did feel called to, you know, like, just, just like be with different people with like different anatomies and like different gender experiences and um, different like ways of wielding power. And like, you know, I've been with like really submissive people and really dominant people and like really chatty people and really quiet people <laughs> and people with like penises and people with vulvas. And like, I just like, like, but I I did it because I just had like an insatiable curiosity that like I felt plagued by, you know, <laughs> like it, it was it was that's the that's actually what it is. It's it's that that my curiosity was disruptive in the relationships that I was in, like it actually did affect the relationships. In the non-monogamous relationships you were in, or the monogamous ones before that. The monogamous ones before that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, when I was like in my early 20s, I was mostly in monogamous relationships and I would get really itchy within those relationships and that itchiness would like cause me to kind of distance myself from the person that I was with. So it the curiosity was disruptive. Mm-hmm. Um and so I guess like a quest a question that I might put to this person is like do do you feel like haunted by these questions? Like like imagine if you imagine yourself this is like kind of an annoying question but if you imagine yourself at the end of your life without having explored these things what what emotion do you experience like are you immediately like oh i would i would regret it then you know especially if you're like already existing in a safe container with a, like a partner who you really trust i feel like maybe it's a risk worth taking you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and like with the with the knowledge that you like might have to have some really hard conversations with your partner or 
you know, it's going to be intense. <laughs> like there's probably going to be a measure of intensity that, that like you'll have to withstand and move through. But if that feels worth it to you and you don't have an expectation that it's all going to feel clean and clear, like immediately, <laughs> then, and it might, I don't know, it might, but then it feels like kind of maybe a worthy risk. Yeah. I also think like, I feel like they can kind of take this however they want. Like there mm-hmm. are increments to like exploring other experience, uh, other sexual experiences. Like mm-hmm. they, like, I don't know what their normal, like couple s- sex is mm-hmm. like, yeah. but like, you know, if they haven't like ventured into learning about other, maybe like, sex from a more queer lens or sex from a more like BDSM language where Mm -hmm. there's like an expansiveness to sex that Mm -hmm. like sometimes doesn't get talked about or understood in like straight settings. And I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if this person, I I guess they didn't say. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. What their gender is. Yeah. But like maybe there's room for some of that exploration in the relationship too. Mm-hmm. Like, since their partner seems like they're very supportive and very, like, yeah, maybe Down. open to trying new things, mm-hmm. um, that, like, they could also decide, like, okay, maybe we're just going to, like, try some new things with the two of us and, ex- like, break up our routine of whatever we have been doing and, like, that maybe that amount of, like, novelty and, like, new experience will be, like, right. satisfying for them. And maybe they're like, no, I want to experience being with other people. And that is the part of sexual sexual exploration that I'm like interested in. And then, yeah, I think also like being, as you said, in a safe container, like that's a great place to start from as opposed to, you know, getting to a point where you're feeling so resentful of your partner because you can't do something or whatever, like that that's not usually going to be a great way to like open up a relationship. Right. So it sounds like they're in a good situation and like in whatever direction they go, like as long as they have really open communication with their partner and as long as they're doing things that they're like really excited about, like it'll be okay. Whatever Mm -hmm. happens will be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I think it's like such a boon to have a partner who you can already talk to about this stuff. And it sounds, it kind of sounds like it's already happening. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) like they, just the fact that they were able to say like, my partner isn't holding me to monogamy makes me Mm -hmm. feel like they've, they're already having these conversations. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's yeah, totally. Yeah anything that they can like incorporate into the relationship to like bring some novelty to sex is like maybe awkward and maybe like the best and sometimes (laughs) both. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder like if they know where to find those, like if they, Mm. like if they have resources. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess some things that I've listened to and read recently, like, Mm. I read this uh, memoir called Many Love, a memoir of polyamory and finding love. 
Lips <laughs> by Sophie Lucido Johnson. And it was really good. Oh, it was I like that person. Yeah. Did you personally? No, 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 no. Like Instagram <laughs> know them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like a graphic novel of their like experience going through different relationships and different iterations of polyamory and understanding their own relationship to it. And mm-hmm. I thought it was very accessible and like definitely didn't um it didn't feel like the stereotypes that people have of polyamory of Mm -hmm. it being like risque or like a weird deviant thing like it was very wholesome and um and just nice to like see that this person's experience has kind of changed over the years and um Mm -hmm. and that it also like their understanding of it had room for like Mm -hmm. the importance of different kinds of friendship too and like Mm -hmm. elevating friends to being really important like partners in their life even though they're not sexual or maybe they have sexual tension for like 20 years and then they never do anything about it and (laughs) it's like totally fine that's kind of the best (laughs) (laughs) um but i thought that that was very sweet um and i mean it wasn't as like logistics heavy as some of the books like uh the ethical slut or oh, like yeah. poly secure yeah. or like those ones that are really trying to like show you the ropes. Um, mm-hmm. but it kind of got to some of the same ideas in a like nice way. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's cool. I don't, I hadn't heard about that book. Um, I do want to say, um, I feel like it's worth distinguishing between like non-monogamy and polyamory Mm -hmm. and like just kind of having an open relationship where like you're you and your partner are cool if you like hook up with other people Mm -hmm. i feel like polyamory in my understanding is like having multiple relationships so if you're if you're polyamorous it's like understood that there are multiple romantic relationships that you want to like cultivate and nurture in your life and maybe there's like some hierarchy but like the intention is to be in or like the um like how you're oriented to like romantic relationships is that they're like you're fed by there being more than just one Mm -hmm. you know and like that's how you get your needs met um and I'm not sure that that's what this person is talking about yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, I yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. I yeah. the memoir it kind of like because this the author goes through different like kind of iterations of relationship structure. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I brought it up in that like I think she starts in like a monogamous relationship and then an open relationship and like right. that it does kind of ultimately progress into like fully fledged polyamory. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I don't mean to like mm-hmm. scare the letter writer to be like, if you <laughs> open your relationship, you will then be fully polyamorous ah. um, because you can do whatever you want and you can decide like if, you know, if you want to just like flirt with people other than your partner and that constitutes openness or if you want to like mm-hmm. have sex or if one of you wants to have sex and the other person just doesn't want to see other people, but they're fine with it. Like, right. Or, you know, you could have full relationships with other people and, um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that there is like, 
so many like different iterations of what open relationships or non-monogamy or even polyamory could mean and like um and yeah that but just the memoir had like a couple examples but totally i do appreciate that distinction because i feel like that can people make the jump often where it's like oh if you're in an open relationship then all of a sudden you're like doing this full other thing which isn't sometimes it ends up being the case and sometimes is not the case at all right right totally yeah and I feel like so much of it like when you start making the decision or like testing the decision to be in an open relationship or like try non-monogamy so much of it is like like there's a re- there's like a reason that so many of like the how-to texts are like just like 99.9 percent about communication you know <laughs> <laughs> it's like and and there's a reason that like so like the conversation about like somatics and like f- features so heavily in mm-hmm. these like dialogues because i feel like so much of it is just like what feels good like oh does it like if you're in a monogamous relationship and you really love the person who you're in a relationship with, but you still feel like a hunger or like a, a restlessness or just like a, like a tendency, like, okay, so explore that. Does it feel good to explore that? Does it feel okay to your partner to explore that? Are you talking to everyone involved and (laughs) checking in and making sure that like everyone's still comfortable and that there's still consent, you know, like, cause it's just so, um, it's just like people, you know, and like people's feelings change. And um, in order to like stay connected and right. compassionate, like it takes a lot of intention and like a lot of clarity and like the willingness to be honest and to be vulnerable. And it's like, it's pretty like for me, it was such heavy lifting <laughs> and so consuming <laughs> yeah you know but and but it doesn't I don't know it doesn't have to be like that necessarily but um yeah I think, I my, think it... my point is like well, yeah my point is like go like don't don't just like I feel like it's hard to like say you're a thing without having or like say that like you're non-monogamous or that you're polyamorous without having like practiced it for a little while and seeing how it <laughs> feels you know seeing how it feels yeah yeah. Yeah, and that like you don't need to use labels if they're not helpful too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's helpful that there's like a framework, but to just like you know, like merge with that framework or like attempt to merge with that framework, I feel like is a disservice to like the human experience or like your experience. You know, like Yeah. You don't have to like try and map your experience onto like the polyamorous experience. You can just like but also you can like use the framework right. as like a tool and a guide and right to say like other people have done these sorts of things before exactly. and they've written books <laughs> yeah <laughs> and maybe they have some good advice that is relevant to my experience too <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally um there's an educator named clementine morrigan oh who's yeah who's really co- yeah they're really cool um and I think all of their stuff is available on, like, if you just, like, Google Clementine Morrigan, M-O-R-R-I-G-A-N, and Clementine's just spelled like the fruit, <laughs> then all of their information is very easily accessible. 
Yeah. Yeah. And their stuff is like non-monogamy polyamory mm-hmm. work, yeah. like infographics and workshop kind of things. Yeah. I think I like downloaded one of their workshops once. I yeah. think maybe you told me about it. I think I told you about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause Micah and I were doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It was helpful. Mm-hmm. She's smart. <laughs> They're smart. I think, I think she, her or she, they, I don't remember. I feel like at some point there was a, they, and yeah. I haven't seen them recently, so I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah. And then like, as far like, so, okay. I feel like we've done an adequate job talking about open relationship things and what that Mm -hmm. could look like for this person. Mm -hmm. Are there other, like, like when they're talking about other sexual experiences out there, I guess maybe the out there makes it seem like it's like beyond their relationship that they're curious about. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to just like, I don't know, spicing things up. I guess I already did a podcast on spicing things up too, so they can just listen to that. (laughs) (laughs) Spicing things up. Hot. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I mean, like, Honestly, go to the apps, you know, like Tinder, Hinge. I feel oh, like what? Uh, Field is one that people do for non-monogamous, more kink stuff. I think. Field. Oh my like god. Like F E E L D. I haven't done oh, it. I've heard about it. I've heard about it. <laughs> what? I'm so not up on Field. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, well, yeah, any of, right, any of the apps. You can, like, go on and be like, hey, so, like, this is my situation. I'm in a monogamous partnership, but also, like, me and my partner are talking about opening up and exploring a little bit, and, like, these are the things that I'm curious about. Anybody also curious? <laughs> Want to hang out? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, they're not, like, really alone good. in this oh, yeah. curiosity. Oh, there are yeah. so many people. Yeah. Sometimes I'm on dating apps, and it's almost frustrating how many people are already in relationships. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, um, this mm-hmm. is amazing for you guys. I'm so happy for you. Um, <laughs> and are there any people that are, like, not partnered left? <laughs> in this world. <laughs> But no, that is a good way of, especially I think in places, um, I mean, everywhere, you know, there are some people, but especially in places with more people that are like you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or also queer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know how, how this person identifies. So I don't know exactly what they're looking for, but Mm. I would suggest if they're not queer already, think about it. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Just because like, if discover- you want to have like interesting sex experiences, that's a really stellar way. <laughs> <laughs> and not even like you know, it, with whoever. Like it doesn't even matter like who the person is, but just like the framework of 
trying new things and not being held to like the scripts of what you think sex is and or what society is like this is sex (laughs) you know you guys (laughs) yeah totally totally yeah I feel like I mean my definition of like queer is very um I don't know I feel like it's like Actually, this is, like, not a revelatory thing to say. Duh. It's a fucking <laughs> spectrum, right? So if you're, if you're like, really, cu- if you're curious about having, like, kinky or, like, no- just, like, not heteronormative, like, like, what the thing you were just describing. Like, if you're not interested in having, like, only scripted sex experiences, like, that, I feel like, is a queer inclination, Because I feel like anything that just, like, breaks the, like, capitalist, heteronormative, like, cult mode norm is, like, is, like, a little internal queer revolution. Like, (laughs) get me out of (laughs) here. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking about toys, too. Like, I know we talked a little bit about toys before, and you probably talked about them in your Spicing It Up episode, but, like... (laughs) I will say that um, there is a toy that I like. My so my experience with toys is that like the like G spot was always kind of elusive to me, and like I had sex with some people and I'd like feel it and be like, oh my god, this is incredible. But then I'd have sex with other people and I I was like, I'd be like, where'd it go? <laughs> and I got this toy that like targets the G spot specifically, and it just like taught me so much about. Like, now I feel totally clear about it. Like, I know Mm. where it is. I know what, like, my partner needs to do to stimulate it. Like, I am empowered and connected to my G-spot. And, (laughs) you know, like, I feel like there's just so much work you can do with yourself. Yeah. To discover new ways of getting sexual satisfaction and just, like, exploring pleasure. Yeah, totally. That it's like, yeah. it does not have to be a partnered thing. If like, yeah. if you want to explore things, what other sexual experiences are out there, starting with yourself, is yeah. a great way to do that, to be <laughs> like, okay, what do I want to explore? And to what extent can I explore this just on my own? And are there any totally. tools that I need to assist me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that way you can like communicate to your partner, like, hey, I figured this thing out. Like, how can you like deliver this to me (laughs) yeah and I think that it also just like it like in court encourages like the personal autonomy of like that you have a sexuality outside of your partner and outside of the relationship Mm -hmm. to be like yeah I have opinions and even if I'm in a thing with someone else and most of my sexual experiences are with this person like in some ways that feels I mean, it shouldn't feel like an open relationship just <laughs> with yourself, but just like to like elevate your own relationship with yourself to the point that you like have time and have uh, spend energy and you yeah. know, on yourself and not just feel like you only have something in relation to someone else. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like you don't have to feel dependent on your partner to like, to like open every door to every new sexual experience you might have. Right. Like you can, op- you can totally open those doors by yourself and then be empowered in your sex to ask for things that you already know that you want. 
Yeah. Which is better for everybody. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Okay, amazing. Yay, I feel sex. like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, letter writer, you're going to be great. Whatever you do, as long as you keep talking about it with your partner and... Yeah. It'll be okay. You'll yeah. probably have a good time. Yeah, and just, like, trust yourself. Even if you, like, venture out and are doing something with someone and it sucks, be like, feel free to be like, never mind in the moment. <laughs> like, if it yeah. doesn't feel good, just fucking stop. You know? And maybe talk yeah. about it and, like, recalibrate and keep going or maybe just fucking leave. Yeah. You can yeah. do whatever you want. You are sovereign human. Excellent point. Corey, thank you so much for being on Dear Balladeer. Sadie, it's been such a pleasure. I love talking to you so much. And I'm so honored to be on your podcast. I'm so happy you're making it. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love just having an opportunity to Zoom with people that I know or people I don't know. And then just like ask them questions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you're a really good host and interviewer. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're good at it. Um, for people that want to listen to more of your music, where can they find it? Well, they can find some on Spotify. Um, I have four singles on Spotify under, under Cloud, Cloud Belly. Under yep. Cloud Belly. Yeah. And then the rest of my catalog is under Corey Laitman, um, also on Spotify. And then my first 2012 album is called Grimace and Grace. And you can listen to that on Bandcamp. And... The entire album of, um, well, oh, and Grimace and Grace is under Corey Laitman. And then the entirety of Thou Them, um, which is the first Cloud Belly album, is also available on Bandcamp. Is Marrow on that album? Marrow is on that album, yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, friend. This was well, delightful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, Corey, I miss ya. Oh, I miss you too, Zadie. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Dear Balladeer. If you enjoyed what you heard, I would so appreciate it if you would take a moment to make a little review or give it a bunch of stars on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Um, that would be really helpful. Also, if you know people who are complaining to you about going through life situations and needing help, um, have them write into Dear Balladeer because we just might choose their submission and cover it on an episode. Finally, if you need a reminder, we do have a Patreon page where you can get the extended version of each episode of Dear Balladeer, and that is at patreon.com slash sadiebgz. Thanks for listening.